0: I'm here, I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, episode 3 of Obi-Wan. After this, we shall be halfway through the series. We finally got it. We got our big Darth Vader episode. How you feeling? Kind of let down, honestly, man. I won't bury the lead. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, You're let down by that. Yeah,
1: I kind of am. I mean, it is something that's been built, but they've been... In this show building up to and for years before then as to what the possibility might be. And, yeah, I think they could have done it better. There's several moments in this episode of where I felt like that there were just
0: moments of when this could have been portrayed better. I have a real serious question for you. What, what like, are you, like, do you consider yourself a Star Wars fan? Yes. You okay, well, what? Know, what, you, what you, you don't get to know true Scotsman, man. <laughs> Well then, no. Well, no, I kind of do. Like so, because what 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 do you what Star Wars media do you like?
1: What Star Wars media do you like? Still like the video? Yeah, movies. like what still- what
0: do you like? Because I'm having this trouble with the fandom too. Because it's like, I mean, I, I feel like they hit a massive home run here, but there's still like a lot of the fandom who are like, well, I don't know. It just could have been like. So it makes me think that a lot of folks are really still sucking that. Like four, five, six. I watched it when I was a kid. Nothing gets better than that like part where like it kind of doesn't matter what comes out doesn't matter just, what they do it's just never going to be good enough because it's never going to be what watching empire strikes back was when we were 13 no it's not just nostalgia man there's basic errors in filmmaking that are going into a lot of
1: th- 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 this particular media and this particular episode of where i think they're squandering some great things that they had i mean just basic issues about w- about using music about setting dramatic scenes about pacing of the moments any of these could have been framed better to work out what they have as a gold mine of material to work with, particularly in this episode. This is an episode that's building up to everything, and instead, our, our, what we build up to in this episode itself isn't very successfully handled. It's not a question of whether they have great things that I'm not excited about. I was squeeing in my chair during moments in this episode, only to feel like, even with just a more deft hand, they could have framed it better.
0: Okay. All right, well, we'll start with a recap, and then we will jump into our best line of the episode, do nostalgic moment of the episode, and then we'll wrap up with a segment where we kind of loosely try to discuss if the the quality of the episode is on par with the prequels or not. Um, You know, sort of an interesting conversation because I really enjoyed the prequels, Spencer, not so much, so um, the bar is a little bit different between the two of us. Before we get going, let's jump into a little housekeeping here. This is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you like hearing me and Spencer gab about all kinds of manner of things, you can go to mangumtalks.com or go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks, and voila, you will get all of our content. We have a general talks, uh, our general um, interest podcast called Mangum Talks, and then we have a whole bunch of content where Spencer and I have reviewed a massive number of television shows. Succession, Ted Lasso, The Nevers, Game of Thrones, we, we have a new podcast feed called Pod of the Dragon where we, we will be reviewing House of the Dragon, which comes out in August of this year. So that ought to be a lot of fun. So just go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Magnum Talks, and you can check out all of our stuff. All right, that's the housekeeping. Spencer, anything you want to say uh, as far as housekeeping about other pods you're on this uh, podcast channel with before we jump into the content here of Obi-Wan Episode 3?
1: Uh, Man of the Pot I'm on right now With respect to uh, Harry Potter and Potter and Round. We've had a blast Ooh. with that in terms of going through Order of the Phoenix uh, We're about a quarter of the way through the book Already we're all liking it the best Of anyone we've done in the series Including Sarah who's probably read it about four times, five times How many times would you bet that Sarah's probably read Order of the Phoenix at this point?
0: Um, she's probably read Order of the Phoenix maybe four times Four or five times, four times. Something like that
1: she's she's enjoying it all the more even with us so please if you're looking for a recap a chapter by chapter recap of harry potter it's a wonderful place to find it in terms of
0: pottering around all right yep i love pottering around that chapter by chapter reread of harry potter it's with spencer my wife sarah and then another personality we have here on the Mangum talks podcast channel uh bj the three of them have a great mix with that podcast you have real serious optimism my wife you have real serious negativity in bj and then you have spencer who just sort of he's a floater you know what he is he's a floater he's like the uh he's a free safety you know like a free safety you put him in the backfield and you know sometimes he's picking off passes sometimes he's rushing the quarterback that's what spencer does on that podcast he's just sort of a utility every man
1: i bring to that podcast the starry-eyed optimism that lee brings to this one so if you're looking for that in people that's where you can find it from me
0: I'm gonna struggle here because if you're you're royally negative about this episode I don't I don't I, really uh, know I don't really not, know where to what to do with it so I' yeah. we'll, we'll get into it I suppose but uh, do you do you want to start with a recap now please okay we start with my man Hajar. I think we're gonna get that character again because um, you know Disney's very purposeful about these recaps and they spent probably a good 15 seconds reminding us who that character was Kamal namaji so mm-hmm. And it makes me think they probably didn't bring him on just to put him in promotional information, just to stick him in recaps for one episode, right? So we're probably going to get him again. And it ends, of course, with Mm -hmm. Vader. Uh, We saw through promotional material. We saw through teaser trailers for this episode. We would get some Darth Vader. And this episode does deliver there. We do get some Darth Vader content. Uh, So we start with Obi-Wan meditating, asking for help from Qui-Gon. We hear Reva's voice telling him Vader is alive.
1: Yeah, based on the amount of focus we get on him asking for Qui-Gon every single episode, particularly at the start of this episode, I am shifting more and more that they somehow got Liam Neeson to come back. Just because they've set it up at this point that that's going to be a dramatic moment later in the series is him finally establishing some connection back to his master. We even get a
0: vocal line from him
1: spoken in this episode, effectively. It seemed like it was just a flashback rather
0: than a new one, though. And as long as it's going to be in this setting, I feel like this would have been eminently easy to do. You show up at Liam Neeson's house with a computer and a microphone and cut a check for $50,000, and you say, hey, read these 10 lines, and we're out of here. Mm -hmm. Simple enough. I don't think we get him in the flesh. I think if we get anything, we get a voiceover. That's my guess.
1: We we already got a taste of that. So, But... think they've set up enough at this point there's going to be some dramatic moment of him reestablishing a connection and it's part of him connecting back with the jet the force in the jedi order
0: i agree i i honestly the the farther we go the more i'm thinking he's going to go to dagobah in the last episode Aww. to talk to yoda yeah no you're not going to like that but um because they because they set up they, they're reminding us who yoda is they're reminding us that yoda's the one that told him i can get you to commune with Qui- qui-gon i can get you to talk to your master he's having trouble doing it on his own it would logically connect that if he's out in the universe anyway and he has this goal of talking to qui-gon he would he would go to yoda if at all he can find him so that would make a lot of sense and of course you wouldn't have to bring any particular actor back to do yoda you could just do yoda which would be easy enough
1: sure um, Now that they've started to paper puppetry again too
0: Right, yeah, and that would be really cool to see, like, a Yoda puppet again for the first mm-hmm. time since Return of the Jedi. So, you know, there's, there could what, be some benefits there.
1: What, was it a puppet in uh, The Last Jedi? Or, or No, no,
0: no, it was still CGI in The Last Jedi, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we see a cutaway to Vader getting his machine prepped. I gotta tell you, one of my favorite things that the Vader comics have done... So the Vader comics really cover the same time period that we're dealing with here in Qui-Gon. Sure. Or uh, obi-wan which is the period between episode three and episode four and it talks about what vader does sort of becoming darth vader and helping to consolidate the emperor's power and training a lot of a lot of training uh in the vader comics but one of the things it really does touch on is exactly how difficult it is for him to just even get dressed in the morning <laughs> to function. just like yeah like how he doesn't eat food how it's pumped into him how he can't pee or like i know this sounds like really like super like details we don't need but like how he doesn't even like urinate or defecate right. on his own it's all just tubes connected to everything inside yeah. of him how he you know we get that comment um i think it's from obi-wan in episode four right he's more machine than man something like that mm-hmm. um the, the comics really go into that and and we're getting some of that here on screen and showing just like what does it look like for him to get dressed well it's a fucking production
1: I mean, he is essentially a torso, a, a very badly burned mm-hmm. in constant agony torso. Yeah. There is a process. And I, I, As much as I may express a bit of a sad note later on in this episode, first five, six minutes, I'm in with it. I love this Vader suiting up scene. I love the reveal of Vader on his throne. I loved all the way through uh, um, uh, Obi-Wan and Leia talking on the transport. Opening parts of this episode are great. I was smiling ear to ear.
0: Then we see Yoda's voice. only am you with find. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, promise me you'll train the boy. Then we hear Anakin's voice, full of anger. I see through the lies of the Jedi. This is Anakin's voice from, I believe, episode three on Mustafar, mm-hmm. when he is just railing at Obi-Wan right before, I have the high ground, I have the high ground. Um, I love the scene showing Vader getting his suit. We covered that a little bit. Um... And we end with a shot of Vader and the breathing and Obi-Wan thinking, he's coming, Master. That is, That's a put it on a t-shirt! Line. Great line. Put it on a t-shirt, Obi-Wan. He's coming, Master, talking to Qui-Gon. So, cut to where I believe Vader is. Um, question for you, Spencer. Is he still on Mustafar? What I the don't fuck know. is he doing? They kind of implied it. I mean, we, what? What?
1: Okay. If they're doing conservation of resources, we only know many lava planets that Vader's associated with, and that one ranks high. But Is this a confronting your fears kind of moment of where he's built essentially his palace on the place of his, we could say, birth?
0: Sure, maybe. So here's what I'll say is that, like, so the Sith are specifically taught that in order to gain power, to get stronger, they have to live in, swim in, embrace hate, let mm-hmm. let it just flow through you. This and so like that. what better place for him to train and to truly feel intense hatred than right on Mustafar, right? So that would make some sense. And also, and we'll get into lightsaber styles a little bit later in the episode, but Anakin's lightsaber style, there's seven different lightsaber styles and Anakin's lightsaber style is the most aggressive. And in order to master that particular type of lightsaber skill you have to have like something motivating you in that moment you have to have a very particular thing that's either make you angry or make you happy or something that you're fighting for because you are the attacker you're the aggressor and so that combined with how the sith trained maybe it makes sense for him to be on Mustafar. it might have been something and this would totally work for something palpatine cooked up palpatine to say That's where you're going to stay. What? I want you to train on Mustafar, where you got burned up, and all you can think about is Obi-Wan Kenobi.
1: This is actually one of my one of my most nostalgic moments of the episode here, is just this classic, very much from the video games moments, of Vader on his throne, and this kind of just Spartan-looking palace with glowing lights in the background. This is making me feel all kinds of nostalgic to be at 10 years old, playing varieties of video games on that point. And like you, I like I hadn't pondered where Vader might have a palace, or whether he might build one on Mustafar, but... With what we know about the Sith Code and the character, this would make complete sense. So, they don't specify, but I'm willing to headcanon this. This works.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I honestly do think it's something where they should... I I think they should write in that Palpatine instructed him to stay there. Mm -hmm. To do his training on Mustafar, where they probably built some sort of base for him there. Uh, That would make a lot of sense. Uh, And you talk about fucking stunned, back in my seat, Whoa. James Earl Jones is back for this James Earl Jones is, is 91 years old. Is it actually James Earl Jones cuz it's yes. certainly I mean yes. kudos kudos to him. I mean,
1: I I thought with I thought in like the Five Rose remake of the Lion King that his voice was starting to show his age a little bit, but he delivers a pretty stellar performance here, bringing back the old power.
0: Yep, it is James Earl Jones. Disney tweeted that yes, it we got him for this. It is new C- it's new lines that he's doing. I'm sure they've cleaned his voice up, modulated it, done some stuff. But for 91 years old, for him to He's be in his performance is absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Then we get the voice of James Earl Jones, Darth Vader, slash Anakin Skywalker. I've been watching you, Third Sister. I know what it is you seek. Prove yourself in the position of Grand Inquisitor. Is yours. So, um, so. <laughs> on, on the topic of Grand Inquisitor... Um, We talked a little bit about what might be going on because Grand Inquisitor is in Rebels, which is set four years after the events of this series.
1: Same species,
0: same looking guy. Same everything. Um, The showrunner for Obi-Wan was asked this question and very much teased it. He said, you're not telling me anything I don't already know, so don't think I made a mistake here. And the only thing he would say is that We did not break canon. We will not break canon. Canon is everything in this universe. Okay. so Hang hang in there with us. He's badly injured. Vader's
1: pulling a fast one on her. I'm perfectly willing to accept that if that's how this play out and they're not just going willy-nilly with canon. It it would make perfect sense for Vader to lie to her on this point and give her a misleading objective to accomplish.
0: Yeah, my brother pointed out... um, who is uh, Boba Fett's sidekick in the Book of Boba Fett?
1: Oh, uh, the yes. Uh, the, the lady? Yeah. I, I, God, I can't that's believe we've well, already forgotten I, I, her name. Yeah, I'm
0: going to look her up. One second. Yeah. So, I mean, she gets shot in the gut, and she, in essence, gets an entire new midsection. Fennec. Fennec Shand. Fennec is able to live with an entire new midsection. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I saw the still of where the Grand Inquisitor is stabbed. It does kind of look like he stabbed through the heart, but... I mean, you, if, if you can, like, build... If, if out in the, like, the deserts of Tatooine with just tattoo money, with basically mm-hmm. just, like, pocket change, you can. someone can live with a new, like, stomach, I mean, who knows what Vader can accomplish, right? right. If he they, really wants to keep the Grand Inquisitor they, alive, so... You
1: know. They've given us, to, given us enough to believe there's no such thing as mortally wounded in the Star Wars universe. If they can find you and they have the resources, they can bring you back in some shape or form. It may be all kinds of vadery which may be a fate worse than death, but they can keep you going.
0: Yeah, um, and then uh, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit here is the inquisitors and what they are within the structure of the empire. So, at this point in the empire, you have, of course, the emperor, and a lot. The emperor controls a lot of projects, hand on hands on. He is Third not a, he's not an aloof ruler. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, he's very interested in how to get and train a militia, how a a military, how to create a fleet, how to get resources to create these fleets. He's very deeply involved in that stuff. You also have Thrawn, who, in essence, is his controller in everything Outer Rim. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything anything you see in the Outer Rim territories, Thrawn is out there. Constantly expanding influence. But it's obvious that the, the Inquisitors report directly into Vader. So this is a project that I suppose would, in the, in the org structure of the Empire, would align in the get-rid-of-the-Jedi bucket, which is directly directly reporting in Nevator, which is important, right? Because it, the, the, you also have Tarkin, who is leading a large segment of the Imperial military. Mm-hmm. The fact that this organization reports directly in Nevator with no seemingly oversight and nobody else in the organization is kind of important because not a lot of organizations within the Empire are set up that way. Yeah, um, most are reporting into Tarkin or Thrawn, and Vader has some informal dotted line authority, but they're not necessarily reporting directly to him all the time.
1: Yeah, there are the number of people that get any degree of independent authority of where the Emperor isn't demanding status reports and updates and keep you on the shortest of possible leashes is very few, and this is very much in one of those categories. But I still am believing that the Empire, the Emperor, is constantly probably checking in with Vader about how things are going.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And maybe part of it is that, you know, it has to report to Vader because he's got to train these folks in the force, potentially. Maybe that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we don't see any input by Tarkin, the Emperor or Thrawn in in what the Inquisitors are doing is something of note. Mm -hmm. Um, Cut to Obi-Wan. Leia comes up and asks him if they are almost there, if he can make it go faster. (laughs) Uh, She then asks if he can use the force on it. That's not how it works. Leia, how does it work? What does it feel like? So I want to point something out here. It, it did seem to me that Obi-Wan, in talking to Owen, snapped to attention and said, when the time comes, the boy must be trained. Like he's mm. uh, like, like manic about like, well, Luke, Luke's going to have to be trained. Luke's going to be trained. Leia, very specifically, says, can you tell me how the Force works? And Obi-Wan goes, ah, hand waves it. I, hand I, waves I, her. no, I, Hand I, I, waves I'm gonna her a little agree. bit. It I'm doesn't seem like you. there's... Okay, well I'm not done. Uh, okay. It doesn't seem like there's any real like effort in explaining the force or any discussions about like well you'll learn later or I'll show you later or we can set you up with like none of that. We know Leia doesn't get any formal training in the force. Obi-Wan mm-hmm. has does none of that with the organas, so it just smacks a little bit of sexism I me. Mean, go ahead with your rebuttal. I,
1: I don't think it's that at all. I mean, I, I don't think he's adopted that level of responsibility with respect to her, and I don't. I think in some ways it would be intrusive for him to try to insert this kind of will there on that on that subject. I actually loved his, his explanation of the Force as being a perfect explanation to tell a 10-year-old in this kind of moment. I thought he very actively conveyed it, and honestly, it may be my favorite line of the episode in terms of, the acting and the description and that, mo- and that moment of trying to connect with her in that regard. And it does seem to connect with her. She does seem to understand that emotional feeling. And that emotional feeling can be as much of a connection to the Force and as much of a foundation as any degree of higher order theory that he could have bored her with in this moment. I, yeah. I adored this moment and this description and this kind of connection we get between these characters and about
0: a three paced moment over the course of this scene. Well, he's not too worried about being intrusive when he's talking to Owen or leaving toys for Luke, uh, or he's later later training in Luke. Luke.
1: Luke is a different category. Luke is his personal responsibility in a way that Leia is not. That is responsibility of the. Uh, well. We
0: also know we also know that ten is kind of a little late to start training, training uh, with the Force. So in Obi Wan's mind, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be thinking like oh at ten. No one has a chance at understanding any of this stuff. He would be thinking, "Well, it's probably about time to get going." Um, we see younglings training in the in the the Jedi Temple. Well, good a good bit before the age of ten. So, I don't know. It just struck me as like, well, eh, he he certainly doesn't seem super interested in training Leia. Nobody ever does, and it takes Leia a long time to ever learn the Force. It takes Luke training her uh, in between Episode six and seven, I believe, before because she was- ever actually gets a handle on it because
1: it was agreed that she'd be raised within the Organa family in their, part- in their particular structure, and their particular order, while instead it was agreed that Obi-Wan would, would, would provide oversight and care for Luke. That was that was the plan. If, 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 anyway, if anyway, doing something different right now would be going off script.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that's how Owen uh, understands it, uh, but
1: yeah, sure. But, uh, uh, um, oh, there's a shared custody kind of arrangement going on there, and the parents
0: are fighting. Uh, yep um so just to explain the line he does say have you ever been afraid of the dark how does it feel when you turn the light on Leia says i feel safe obi-wan yes says yes it feels that way now this also is important for obi-wan's particular understanding of the force his lightsaber uh how he how he fights with the lightsaber his lightsaber skill um how he communes with the force which everything is predicated on his ability to tap into the force and still feel connected to the force when Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan is separated from the force he loses power loses the ability to fight loses the ability to do little things like force push or even train people he more because of his particular lightsaber style because of how Qui-Gon trained him and how Qui-Gon communed with the force it is extremely important for Obi-Wan to feel super connected to the force at all times um so this particular explanation from him is pretty interesting i would i would venture a guess that yoda probably would have explained it differently and certainly anakin before he turned to the dark side would have explained it differently than this concept of i was in the dark before and only through connection with the force am i in the light
1: Mm-hmm. And this is all since this is in many ways the very first description we ever got of the Force, this was what Obi-Wan originally told Luke back in Episode 4, this has always very much been my understanding of the Force, because it's really our kind of first connection to it, our first idea of how that worked. And so it's always resonated with me the most, and so that helps inform how much I like Obi-Wan's description. And it also sets up, in many ways, why, and I feel like this, the show still could have done this better, we talked about this in Episode 2, that Obi-Wan's disconnect from the force has left him at odds and left him feeling like an incomplete person and informs a lot of the weakness that we see of him over the course of the series i still feel like they really need like an extra episode or particularly in episode one to better build up to that but it definitely seems like what they're going with over the course of the series
0: yeah i mean there are folks that have made the parallel that qui-gon and obi-wan's relationship to the force is maybe a little bit more akin to like christianity in the sense that they need sort of their spirituality or they need their connection to the force riding cock, like in the cockpit with them and and right next to them all the time. Whereas like Yoda, his connection to the force and how he teaches it through the different materials is a little bit more akin to like Buddhism, where it's mm-hmm. a little bit more analytical and it's the ability to be um, very disciplined and it's it's very meditative and it's about training yourself to think certain ways and approach life in a certain way so it's just you'll see these little differences if you look at all of the different accompanying material and books etc etc and how yoda explains stuff and how like qui-gon and obi-wan do but i do like one thing i really do like here is that between this scene and then the lightsaber fight later and that whole thing it is abundantly clear that Obi-Wan is Qui-Gon's, like, apprentice. I mean, they they very have not so. run away from that at all. He very much, and, and his continued wanting to commune with Qui-Gon, he is Qui-Gon's Padawan, like he yeah. is. He absolutely practices that brand of force, which also, by the way, is extremely different than how Mace Windu practices the force, which is a little bit closer to what Anakin was doing before Anakin flipped.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, it, Go ahead. I like the idea of effectively him being Qui-Gon's ongoing heir and representative in the modern era. I, I like yeah, that kind yeah. of touch, and I like that kind of different perspective. And I, I enjoy that in, in the Star Wars media that we've been increasingly getting, and it's been established for years, the idea that the Jedi Order, though there is a common philosophy, that there's a common cause, there are many individual ways of expression that occur in there. And I feel like people lose track of that at times.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I think that's a that's a great point. Okay, and then we get... Obi Wan fixing Lola, how cool is
1: that? I again, I'm I'm just smiling ear to ear from the fount- moment of this episode through right now. It's great. I particularly since as you've we noted repeatedly, he doesn't like droids, but he's already caring for Leia and wants to make her happy.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, where are we at now? We we, we are land- at they land and they unload and Obi Wan and Leia take off. This what- is Mapuzo, a mining colony.
1: Mapuzo, thirty miles outside of L.A. of where they just set up a camera. Tomato, tomato. It's very much this is vaguely generic desert planet Star Wars setting.
0: Right. Well, if you're gonna go for strip mined area in America, thirty r- miles know,
1: outside of L.A. Thirty miles outside
0: of L.A. looks pretty close. Uh, somewhere, near, somewhere near Vegas would work. Uh, it's clear that the Empire completely controls this planet, or at least it is to me. Uh, we see uh, fl- yeah. Empire stuff everywhere. Um, Obi-Wan questions if their new friend, which is Haja, our guy, Kamal Namaji, very famously, by the way, in the Star Wars universe, the best guy. If you, if you do want ground beef in... You know, Between two pieces of bread, late at night, Hajah is your guy. That's where you go. He will get <laughs> good, you good there. To know. Good to know. He will get does you he there deliver? for sure. Uh, does not deliver. you got to go there, and you got to spend a significant <laughs> amount of time in the restaurant. It's a big galaxy. There's such traffic. Oh, and that reminds me. Um, so about two weeks before this series came out, a book came out by Mike Chen called Brotherhood, which is a, uh, a book that is set before the events of episode three but after i think episode two so it's between two mm-hmm. and three and it covers the relationship between obi-wan and anakin after anakin anakin becomes elevated to jedi knight and obi-wan becomes elevated to jedi master
1: mm-hmm.
0: you didn't read the book I've not. not many people did because it was a very short amount of time between when that book came out and this i was a little irritated by that they should have released it by maybe three or four months before but there's one thing that happens in this book I want to point out to you and to everybody out there in the ether. Please. Event. Do you remember in episode two when mm-hmm. Obi-Wan needs information about, I think it's like a bullet or something, and it connects him to the planet of Kamino, and he, yeah, goes, he, goes, to he, he goes to a diner.
1: He goes to a diner with a big kind of swollen guy that sits down in the booth next to him. And he
0: starts, the guy's name's like starts with D or something, like Dag or Dag. Yeah, something or like Dag and the guy sits down, he can barely sit into the fucking the diner, and he's got all these coffee stains and him yes. and Obi-Wan have this wonderful rapport and you get this I sense loved that, like that character, yeah. I loved him too because he seemed great. I love the idea that there's just diners on Coruscant. And I also love that we get this, like, there is a side of Obi-Wan, which is he walks into a diner and goes, What's up, my brother? Like there is that side of the guy.
1: How much would you love to see a, a short story of Obi-Wan every morning going out for endless pancakes at this diner? I'd be with it. I'd be down. Wonderful.
0: At the start of this book, Brotherhood, Obi-Wan needs some more information and to develop a plan of action for a particular situation that is uncovering and, mm-hmm. and, and going on in the galaxy. He goes to the diner. I love
1: and that. He, pull,
0: he pulls an all nighter with this character, and they sit and talk strategy and hang out. So... If that's for no correct. other reason, go read Brotherhood by I, Mike Chen. I'm
1: kind of sold, because honestly, I mean, Attack of the Clones is a mixed movie. The stuff that I love is a lot of just CGI lights and show that kind of even annoyed me. But that actually, that's probably one of my top three favorite moments in that movie, is him just at the diner talking to that guy. Because it felt so real and lived in for the universe that, yeah, there's just a dude that he knows that he talks with and he is a friend. It doesn't all have to be, you know, massive interfamily generational trauma and, and, and drama.
0: Yeah, and that's particularly important for Obi-Wan, right? Because he did get taken very, very early from his family. He doesn't have any family. So his family is what he's used to there. And And they delightfully
1: remind us of in this episode.
0: Absolutely. In the the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and who he's met in that life. So Leia, during this, Obi-Wan continues to say... Oh, I, 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 I'm i sure our new friend is lying to us. He, he is hes Spencer-level negative about this whole thing. I mean, it's just Spencer constant, like, just negative. And Leia fires at him. Why would he lie? And Obi-Wan, I'd like to Snaps. point out, I'd like to point out, attorney, does not answer the question. Instead, just yells, people are not all good, Leia. Leia's point is, even if he's not good, mm-hmm. right? Like, The events that have that have led to us to this point, it does like him lying at this moment and doing all the things he's done before now, like risking his life approaching Riva, like Mm -hmm. actually getting us off planet, like legit, really doing that. When the entire city was locked down, it doesn't make a lot of sense that this would be the lie. And I'm with Leia on that.
1: Yeah. This is Obi-Wan dealing with past trauma in terms of response to this. Leia's point's perfectly logical. If the guy was aiming to betray us when we arrived at the little trade transport thing, there would have been a company of stormtroopers inside it. That would have been the moment of when we would have been dead to rights. Why the long con game if that's not what this is? If it's not if he's not being what he said he was in terms of wanting to help us? There's so many easier ways he could have screwed us over way before now.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Um, so then obi-wan as they are walking strolling it seems th-
1: th- delightful day in the desert
0: has a vision of anakin now question for you about this vision mm-hmm. um is this something that vader sent to him or is this obi-wan just being like uh, having having severe ptsd
1: vader does not okay this th- this becomes a fun debate because vader does not know he's on this planet But, we got some hints at the end of the last episode that he established a connection with Vader again in a way that he hadn't in a very long time. So, Vader seems to be aware of his existence, aware that he's out and about and alive uh, in a way that he hasn't in years. So, that leads to the possibility. I was kind of more inclined, though, to think this was purely Obi-Wan. But, given later in the episode we see so much of the build-up, the emotional, almost just supernatural horror of Vader approaching on scene, This could be an early hint to that i I can really go either way we've we've been given evidence to support i think either theory on this point
0: yeah i mean the the difficulty here is that if you stopped the movies at episode six we would absolutely believe this is obi-wan having a vision part and parcel with his own guilt and ptsd However, we did get 789, which as much as you hate it is Canon, and will forever remain Canon considering what they've done down <laughs> in your neck of the woods in Orlando and how they have built the, the, the Star Wars
1: this is uh, true.
0: park down there where they've relied on 789 so much.
1: But yes, Ray and other Ben. ben is able to
0: send, Ben and Ray are able to send each other Kylo even Rey. items, even even physical items through the universe mm-hmm. so it of, would absolutely not be out of the realm of possibility somebody as strong in the force as Anakin is to be able to send this type of vision over to Obi-Wan so I don't think we really know here
1: I don't think we really know I did think it was pretty strongly suggested that the way the scale of the connection that the two of them have in the new films was result of them being essentially a, a, a twinned pair a, a, a force equal and opposite that are joined together and destined together in many ways which established the scale of their connection But we also saw Luke astral projecting, so we have definitely now gone into and expanded heavily the idea that the Force allows you to operate across vast distances in a way that was previously more just kind of voices and feelings, but now is much more physicality in a way we ever really thought previously.
0: Yeah. Um, And then we see Riva show up to a really cool Imperial uh, base here. yeah. Uh, it looks like it's on an ocean planet and there's this little like there's like the tip of the iceberg type thing in this in this base that comes out where the ships go in and dock and you obviously take an elevator down and then they are in this really like it looks like an aquarium this really awesome meeting room that I, I is would just love to have that. down i would do you could you could build one down there in florida and <laughs> that much effort the, the windows to this thing just show you the, the ocean planet that they're in. It is really fucking cool. I,
1: I also love the point of contrast between apparently what is Vader's base versus what is the Inquisitor's base. Of where, A, Vader does not want the Inquisitor to be based in this world. This is my world. Y'all go find your own planet, please. But also, it's the immediate opposite, effectively, of the lava world that, that she was just on. That we're now under the waves where the Inquisitors are meeting for this particular discussion of strategy.
0: Didn't that's I, a real that's a good that's a good contrast there that I had not I hadn't explicitly picked up on. That's a good point. That like no. it's it's the it's the polar kind of opposite of what Vader's in.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what they're necessarily suggesting with that, but it's notable. It seems like it's a very intentional kind of well, setting work that they're doing with respect to this. I'm gonna have to gonna unpack what they're really saying with it.
0: And when Reva shows up, she explains that Obi-Wan is on one of the mining systems. Fifth brother immediately uses the force to yank her and pull her down toward the table. Now i want to pause here to talk about the ability of forced users to force push pull hold others with the force because we get it later in the fight Mm -hmm. between obi-wan and Anakin. so what new canon has suggested to us is that most forced users are able to create a bit of a like buffer in this type of force activity around them by necessity right because otherwise all you'd be doing is force push pulling each other and like -hmm. You would, it would, it would, you'd basically stagnate, right? Um, There's a reason that when the Emperor fought Yoda, neither one of them was force pusher pulling each other or holding each other up or choking each other because they couldn't. Mm -hmm. Because they're dealing with somebody so strong in the force that that type of force activity would not be available to them in combat. It tells me one of two things here that Reva was just caught unawares, totally possible. Or Fifth Brother is just much stronger in the Force than Riva. And while Riva is very headstrong and potentially could be a great lightsaber duelist, she might not actually be as strong in the Force as Fifth Brother. I mean, I think that's what they're suggesting here.
1: And this is actually, a I will say, I don't even know if it's necessarily a change. I think it's just more accurately a clarification, an explanation of past events, the idea that a Force users effectively maintain constant defenses to Force activity yeah. on them, or at least resistance to Force activity on them. Because... While we've seen people Jedi use force powers on themselves, on, on each other uh, in the past, it's been limited, and it would make perfect sense that you kind of maintain a constant natural defensibility to someone acting upon you. Because one of the first things we ever heard about the Force is that the Force has a powerful effect on the weak-minded. So, if you are not that, if you have some strength in the Force, yeah, we've basically already been established that you can resist someone else using Force powers on you. Not stop, not completely eliminate unless you are godly strong, But it can at least generally diminish or at least limit the opportunities. I'm with that. I think it's an effective clarification of canon.
0: I think from what we've seen in the the movies, the most powerful folks fighting each other we have seen, in my opinion, are Qui-Gon and Darth Maul in episode one. Mm -hmm. It's Obi-Wan and Anakin in episode three. It's... Yoda and Palpatine in episode 3 and it's Luke and Vader in episode 6 and in none of those fights were one person able to force, push, pull, choke the other one. Now, um, not,
1: to, not to an extreme degree. They weren't like, you know, hovering in midair kind of shit but I, I did like in each of those fights that force abilities were brought in in like moments of surprise is almost like a quick dagger of where they're focused on something else, they're caught off guard and then you slip it in because they're not prepared for it and then you're able to knock them off balance, blow them off a ledge throw some objects at them, get some lightning in there briefly. But it's not like that's the do- necessarily the dominant way they're going. It's more, a, it's an aspect of the fight rather than the controlling one because they're on guard effectively
0: against it. Right. Well, and, and one thing to clarify is it does not stop, you know, like items from being thrown at you sure. or light force lightning from hitting you. It does stop when you hear, you see that, you know, that, when, you know, they do like a force push. That, yeah, the telekinesis, that thing, it does stop that. And so, like, when you see Yoda and Palpatine fighting on the floor of the Senate
1: in episode 3...
0: Yeah, you don't see Palpatine force push Yoda, but you do see him sling those, you know, uh, the the basically Zeus, seats like of bolts each of, of the, lightning, practically. <laughs> yeah, the the seats of each of the senators at Yoda, and that throws him off because these are big, large, actual physical items coming yeah. at him. Anyway, it's just but, important to know because it will come in later in the fight between Obi Wan and, and Anakin, Darth sure. Veda. So uh, Riva then explains to Fifth Brother, he asked me to lead the hunt. Unless you think I should follow your orders and said, send out the probes. Do it mm-hmm. now. She's got her, uh, she's been watching episode one, two, three, uh, watching, watching her Emperor Palpatine there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fifth Brother then says, you will get what you deserve, Third Sister. Um, and Riva says, I hope so. I certainly hope so. So I think that your theory from the last episode is... N- hammer nail head situation, which is Riva probably not super into the whole culture of the Inquisitors, probably doesn't give much of a fuck about the Empire. Vader sycophant. I think you nailed that.
1: Yeah, I think I think we've got more than enough evidence to work on that. And if indeed Vader is lying, he is very much aware of that and very much willing to use and abuse that knowledge about her.
0: Mm, let's do a little theory Tom. Do you think Vader is lying to Riva?
1: I yeah 100% I think even if she succeeds I think she's going to die here effectively she knows too much she's too in on his shit I, I, I think very much he, she. I don't picture Obi-Wan killing Rava. I picture Vader Vader killing or eliminating Reva by the end of this series either for failing him or for being too involved in what is very much a personal matter
0: the moment that <laughs> that she yelled to Obi-Wan Anakin is Darth Vader
1: there was Cyber no way okay. Yeah, cyber no death warrant.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's too loose with the lips. Um, then we have a very cool scene of the probes being put together and launched. That was nice. I like that. always love when they show us the tech of the Empire because everything that we have seen in the Star Wars universe shows that the Empire does take a step forward in military advancement. Uh, they're the big DOD spenders. Uh, they got a bunch of military contractors out there that are improving their nuclear warheads and all of the stuff that happens during wartime. They have cool fucking tech, the Empire does. Cuts Obi-Wan and Leia. He tells her not to talk, and they are farmers from Tall. Just so folks know, I don't think with the accent's particularly clear, this planet's called T A W L. It is an extremely boring planet. It is the Idaho of it, Planets.
1: It is very much the Idaho of Planets. The only thing we know about this thing, Idaho or Iowa of planets, effectively. It's it's a farm planet. That's it. Yeah. They're farmers from Tall. And everyone's just like, Oh, that's a new. that's a good, nice votes reliably kind of place really
0: they arrive and obi-wan immediately thinks um it's a lie um leia tries to tell him that they don't know they, when i say they arrive they arrive at the meeting spot that has sent them and nobody's there and because nobody's there the first thing out of obi-wan's mouth is i shouldn't have trusted him i knew this was a lie i knew this wasn't right and leia's basically like boss slow down like we i mean people could be late I mean, like, there's a lot of things can be going on here. Obi-Wan just spins out right away, which we see later is a mistake. And he finally snaps at her and yells, No one is coming here, Leia! (laughs) Leia, very good with people, backs up, lets him kind of blow all steam. Calm calm down a minute. (laughs) Um, But again, this is something I alluded to in the last episode. I think this is evidence that Obi-Wan thinks he can't possibly have friends. Like, the idea that there is the path later on in this episode, that there is basically this underground... Uh, society of people who are trying to help je- former jedi former padawan and force sensitive people it doesn't even compute in obi-wan's world it's not even the no. realm of possibility he doesn't think he deserves help much less that there logistically is help out there in the universe
1: particularly w- probably what he feels is his own personal involvement or his own personal failure is leading to this it's, 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 there's yeah. no small amount of guilt that's informing that no the world is against us and it's at least in part my fault
0: then Leia flags down a truck. She's hilarious. Uh, Leia walks up to the truck. She says she's Lula, and they are farmers from Toll. She says they were going on a trip, and they got lost. This weird creature behind the the wheel, I don't know what this creature is, says, well, that's a little weird, Thalroy. And I'm like, well, man, I guess it did, is.
1: Did you recognize the voice, by the way? No, who is it? It's Zach Braff. It's JD from Scrubs.
0: Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. it, there you it, the, go
1: The physical actor is John Risengrant Who's a, con, a very consistent costumer pu- puppeteer Acting for other voices kind of actor
0: But the voice is Zach Braff I love how so many people Like, I feel like it's just like Everybody's in a Star L- Wars fan In LA restaurants, like, Fabro's out And it's like, he just Somebody walks up to the table Hey, John, how are you? You yeah, know, I'd really like to be You know what? I'll put your name down I can find a place for you Hi, Apollo um, Creed Would you like to be in Star Wars? Yes, yes, I would yeah
1: Uh, this guy's name is
0: this guy's name is freck obi-wan explains they are looking for the nearest port freck says he's going that way obi-wan tries not to get in but leia says look we've walked far enough i'm sick of walking when obi-wan gets into the bed of the truck dum 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 we see a homemade empire flag i would say this if you're getting into if you're doing a little hitchhiking out there in the universe and you get into a truck transport ship whatever and there's going to be an Empire flag on it, what you want to see is the standard military-issue Empire flag because that indicates that they have to fly it.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: guy hand-drew his own Empire oh, yeah. flag.
1: Th- this guy's a trouble.
0: That is scary. That's troubling, right? Can,
1: can I know something, by the way? I, 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 it kind of occurred to me when I was watching this episode. We really haven't been hearing the Imperial March as a theme for the Empire much in the TV show media. No. It's like... Mm-mm. Did they lose the rights to it or something, or are they just trying to oh, add a more like, diverse collection of music? Because I, I'd love the Imperial March; it's so perfect for the Empire, but we don't hear it anymore.
0: Well, they didn't get the, they didn't lose the rights because they used it in Rogue One. Um, That's so been a I, long I, time ago, man. Eh, well, when was Rogue One? Like two thousand nineteen, something like that.
1: Oh, it's got to be longer um, ago than that, isn't it? I mean, so I'll, I'll look while we're talking. So twenty sixteen. Twenty
0: sixteen. Yeah. I, I I can't immediately prove to you they didn't lose the Im- the rights to Imperial March. I, right. no. I can't prove that to you. But I would bet you all the money in my bank account that Star Wars did not lose the rights to the Imperial March. It
1: would be really damn funny if they lost the rights to the Imperial yeah, March.
0: I don't think so. I just think that they're probably being selective with how they use it, which is smart, right? Because you want it to be impacting when that, dun, dun, dun. When that comes in. It's yeah. got to be a big fucking yeah. moment.
1: That's the only reason I miss it, is because it is so iconic, Star Wars. It's like, among the, among the songs that make you feel your, feel Star Wars, it's got to be top three. And its absence has been noted for a few years now.
0: They stop for some Stormtroopers, which obviously makes Obi-Wan uncomfortable. Apparently, the Stormtroopers' transport was late. I love the, the, I love the little insight into just the logistics <laughs> of the Stormtroopers' world. That they get this order, hey, out here on this mining planet, we're looking for a Jedi. Basically scour the entire fucking planet. They're waiting for their transport. It's late. They know uh, Freck. Freck apparently gives them rides from time to time, so they hop in the bed of the truck. No big deal. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, um, it,
0: they, go ahead.
1: Is it a statement about... I mean, th- this could just further in to explain this, but I did not particularly like that they're looking for a Jedi, but unlike all the mercenaries in The Last Planet, nobody gave them a picture. Is, is it just... Is it an indication that this planet is just kind of ineptly run, and that like just like the why they're missing the transport, they miss that detail? Because, again, for third sister, that's the first thing she sent out when they they were looking for Obi Wan, and now that they know they're looking for Obi Wan, why don't anybody? Why doesn't anybody on this planet have a picture of it?
0: Yeah, I mean I I don't know. Uh, I, I would say the in canon explanation probably is just that of of equipment logistics and flow of information i mean these are the lowest they're dirty the low they are the lowest of the low in the empire so if anybody's not going to get something get a message get important information it's the people of this great ranking grade i would think if they don't even fucking have access to a transport they have to hitch a ride on somebody's fucking truck to get from point a to point yeah, b they,
1: they they get one picture it's printed out on a 19 thir- 1989 color printer and they have to share it between the entire regiment that's the level yeah. of funding these guys are working with maybe right
0: so it would seem to me that, like the, the these are these are the laws of love um, obi-wan says he wouldn't know what a jedi looked like if he saw good one. Answer. A good answer. good answer uh, Stormtroopers are really stiff with Obi Wan. Not quite rude, but uh, certainly not friendly at all. And I would say uh, this reminds me of another TV show I've been watching recently called "We Own This City," where like uh, it, bad policing is basically like just the constant like like brusque like get out of your car. Who are you looking at? Hey, get off that stoop. Like that that thing in policing, which is just like every every chance you get like just being aggressive with mm-hmm. people you are policing, that seems to be how all of these stormtroopers operate.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the, this is their training. It's that be constantly aggressive and cow them. That that seems to be the level of training they're operating from.
0: And that's why I think the portrayal of the Empire in the universe as we get to see it so far is so accurate. It's that immediate rush state. Well, no, it's that immediate – some of the politics of it is that yeah. immediate rush of support where people like Freck are saying things like, you know, hey, a well, little order is not so bad. This is good. I've always liked that Palpatine guy. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's very charismatic. Trains. He's good. They I can't believe time. the Jedi tried to kill him. I've never trusted the Jedi anyway. I mean, who can pick something up and bring it to him from across the room or, you know, duel with lightsabers? I mean, there's all this stuff people's that minds. would – all this stuff that would go into an immediate support of the empire but if they are policing this way if this is the way that leadership allows these stormtroopers to operate in all of these planets you can see how trust would erode over time and eventually people would start to dislike these motherfuckers
1: i enjoy i enjoy the implication too is that we saw uh the grand inquisitor basically try to maintain a certain element of order on his dealings on more populated or at least more public worlds it's just like you know Third sister, keep the violence in check a little bit. We have to kind of maintain certain appearances. But in a backwater like this, no one gives a shit. These are practically slaves on this planet. They use them to them to any degree. Because there is no lens. There is no one that ca- there is no one watching. There is no one that cares. We can start, see on a planet like this the rot that's going to expand out to all the worlds eventually. This, but this is where it would start.
0: Right. And that's how you get planets that are sympathetic to the rebellion who allow the rebellion bases to be there places like you know Hoth or places like Tatooine or places like where where the fuck ever how Mm -hmm. you have these planets uh indoor who you know they hate the Empire I mean just like everywhere there seems to be a battlefront in these non you know centralized planets these these places that are like sort of off the beaten path somewhere in the Outer Rim that we see in episode four five six everybody fucking hates the empire why because when the empire has showed up there they've treated them exactly this way That sort of like you don't matter we just do whatever we want we will strip mine your planet and tell you to fuck right off if we want to
1: and i like i don't know i don't know i don't know know to what degree this is true in the modern canon but particularly in the legends the empire was kind of aware of that to a certain degree and it's part of the reason that people like Randolph tarkin were doing these massive weapons of power and doing these massive intimidation tactics was basically just like this is a simmering pot, and we gotta keep the lid on this because there's only so much we can do in terms of policing the entire damn galaxy. But how much that ended up blowing up in their faces when they blew up Alderaan, and that just served as a rallying cry for everyone, just like, okay, this we've finally crossed a line. And then the Death Star blows up, and everyone says, "Oh shit, we can fight them." But there was an implication always is that the pot was already simmering and breaching a damn boil across the galaxy in various ways, and they were just looking for that. To make a reference to, to to a motif they've done a lot recently, that one spark to light the rebellion.
0: Yeah, and I mean you get that in the Tarkin books of so the difference in how some of the Imperial commanders wanted to try to deal with this issue, right? It, very much in the new canon, it's exactly what you just articulated. That mm-hmm. Tarkin, his big um project was the death star he wanted to blow up some planets here and there to to show people exactly get people scared whereas thrawn was more of a fan of let's do some like community policing here let's be a little bit more reasonable and the money that was going to the death star he wanted to divert to his like highly souped up x-wing like elite class project because he wanted to be able to strategically fight as opposed to, say, I don't know, blowing up an entire fucking planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so Leia starts talking. Obi-Wan responds, calls her Leia. Roop! Uh-oh. Stormtroopers call that out because she previously said her name was Luma. i little surprised here that the stormtroopers caught on like this. I mean, they're oh. typically portrayed as stupid.
1: What? I kind of like that we're getting a little bit more rounded view of Stormtroopers, particularly this series. I, I even noticed that how much they worked; they had, had obviously different uh, actors, races, backgrounds voicing the Stormtroopers throughout this episode. We're getting a more yeah. complete view of the idea that this is a galactic military. So there's, there's diverse levels of intelligence. I thought Obi-Wan making the mistake was a little bit dumb. Man's out of practice to a degree. But I thought he played it off brilliantly in terms Wonderful. of covering up his mistake.
0: Yeah, and this is a this is Uncle Lee out there to the kids. If you've got a lie, make sure it's a lie that you can tap into some truth with. Because yes. that's what he does. He's got a lie here, and he makes sure he taps into enough truth that it is absolutely believable. Because what he says is, oh, Leia was her mother's name. And when I look at Luma, sometimes I see her mother, and I get confused. And that's why. And he that gives is. Leia this look, and young Leia looks at him. Like... Oh, that's true, isn't it? Yet again, if, if anybody out there wants to complain that 10-year-old Leia is too intuitive, too smart, too whatever, listen to another podcast. Uh, <laughs> she immediately picks up on what this thing is that Obi-Wan is doing. Yeah. The Stormtroopers buy this. They get off the truck. They leave. Leia tells Obi-Wan, you knew her, didn't you? My, my real mother. This whole time I've known you, you've been hiding something from me. Are you my real father? Potential line of the episode here from Obi-Wan. I wish I could say I was, but no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is such a loving answer. I, I wish I could tell you that I am. Because you deserve a father who really does love you, who cares about you. You certainly don't deserve who your father really is, which we'll get into later, Leah. Uh, but I'm not. Sorry, I'm just not.
1: Yeah, I'm mixed on the show's use of action, but these quiet moments between characters, particularly various Older father figures talking to Leia—the best moments of this series. They're just great. They're very well played out, and I love the dialogue and the emotional play between the characters on the back of this flatbed truck as they're going through the middle of outside LA. Yeah,
0: Leia. Sometimes I try to imagine what he was like from my notes. Man, I'm glad she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's that's a rude reveal down the way. Ooh, tough. Obi Wan explains. He was also taken from his family earlier. This is a conversation we referenced earlier in the podcast. He has some very slight memories that he thinks he had a brother. This is new to canon, and he wishes he remembered him, but he joined the Jedi and got a new family at that point. That's the good news. Bad news, they're all dead now. That's the bad news question um, I, I, yep. I
1: saw people debating this is this indicating any element of foreshadowing that we're going to get to see some connection to Obi-Wan's family or history on the show or is this more meant to be just a moment of brief nostalgia of pondering a world that no longer exists
0: so Obi-Wan famously we've never known what planet he's from
1: yes that's uh, I
0: mean. also famously at a Star Wars conference Jon Stewart of John Stewart fame asked George Lucas where is Obi-Wan from George Lucas, in his Infinite, at this point I'm about to sell Disney for $4 billion level of I don't give a fuck, said, I don't know, let's call it Stu John. We're (sighs) going to erase that from canon. Yeah, Um, that was a joke. That was obviously a joke mm, in the mm, moment. Later, George Lucas was, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But we're (laughs) removing that from canon. I hope we get a little bit more about Obi-Wan's backstory. However, if they're going to go into it, it's got to be done in the time period of episode one, two, three, because it's got to be in the archives of the old Republic of the the Jedi, uh, because I'm sure at this point, all They've that been shit's del- been destroyed. I don't know how they would ever get information about where Obi-Wan is from. If
1: there are archives at this point, the Empire is going through them with a fine tooth comb and those people are in a camp somewhere. That, that, that's just what that is, sadly.
0: Yeah. Uh, as they ride, Freck mentions how much he likes the Empire. Nothing wrong with a little order. Uh, yeah. Love Leia, Leia the best. Oh yeah, we love the Empire. Like, and you know what's so cool about how the actress acts? That she doesn't even look up from Lola. She's just fiddling with her shit. She says, "Oh yeah, we love the Empire. Awesome, so good. Yeah. Like the, this, this is this is the child you want with you when you have to bullshit somebody.
1: This is also I, I love that they're kind of tapping into those moments of you know daughter and dad on a trip. This is the kid in the back working on their Game Boy, their iPad, just vaguely answering your questions as you're driving in your minivan across
0: the street. Mm -hmm. They eventually get to a checkpoint. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say. That was
1: cool. Yeah, it was fine. That was great. Love it.
0: Love the Empire. They eventually get to a checkpoint. Obi-Wan gets nervous, rightfully so, tries to get off. Freck won't let him. That was the first inclination to me, other than the hand-drawn sign, which really sunk my heart. When Freck wouldn't let him get out, I thought, uh oh we got trouble no,
1: but but zach braff can't be a bad guy he's always just the funny man he can't be evil
0: mm. reassure him that oh i know these guys it's fine i know these guys when freck uh-huh. gets off he, he goes up to the stormtroopers and tells them that lay and obi-wan are a couple of strays i found thought you might want to check them out so there we go now we know freck is yeah. craven as they come well not craven you I mean it We can't say he's, well,
1: Craven, we have no reason to believe he's a coward. We can't say Craven in that sense of Craven. In terms of, you know, betraying them. Yeah, liar liar in that aspect, absolutely. But, you know, we also have to give him credit for being rather intuitive. The stormtroopers got out of the flatbed without any issue. But this guy's like, okay, there's something that smells here. Let me take him to the police.
0: I call him Craven because it seems like his first reaction is, I'm going to suck up to these folks who are ruling my planet with a fucking iron fist and Obi-Wan has explained has completely stripped on the planet completely changed the entire topography of the planet likely killed and enslaved a lot of people in the process what is Freck's plan? I don't to fucking suck up to these guys that I would say maybe a little craven.
1: have we ever seen his little star mole kind of species before is there are they may be native to this planet given that we've never seen them previously as far as i can tell
0: it seems to me like the exact type of thing that if i allowed myself to do internet research before these pods we probably could have found what it was um i'm sure that either disney's explained it or something um but i've i don't if i've seen it before i don't know if it's been explained to me in a book before i don't know i don't know what his his actual species is Um, The Stormtrooper comes up to Obi-Wan, asks him where he's going, makes him step out of the vehicle. This is the the type of intimidating police work I'm talking about. That sort of, get out of the vehicle! Get out of the vehicle! Get out of the vehicle now! Initiate Protocol 23. 23 (laughs) is Jordan's number. Um, And a probe droid similar to what we saw in Hoth. This is the very Very same model, it looks like, of what we see in Hoth. Um, I believe these are the probe droids that basically just have an internal database uh this is this is kind of like a walking talking fbi database like what we have Absolutely. now where the fbi has this centralized database of all the wanted people in america connects to all the state sbi databases that thing is basically in droid form we see it here we see it in the hoth later it comes up obi-wan knows when this thing hits its face he's fucked so he stands in front of leia covers his face the stormtroopers start yelling at him on you show your face show your face when he shows his face there's an immediate hit with the droid he shoots the droid starts shooting the stormtroopers we have an action sequence here where uh one of the very panicked stormtroopers i thought that acting was really good this stormtrooper did not stay cool he freaked out and grabbed the kid and he's got this big blaster that he's trying to put to the to to leia's head and it's awkward because it's not that, that that type of um that type of gun is not meant for this close combat and obi-wan in a farce of i'm going to put my weapon down is able to shoot the stormtrooper and get control of leia in the entire process he does pistol whip fucking freck which i really enjoyed very very good very very good stuff so that's how we get rid of this Round of Stormtroopers. Young Leia, Mm -hmm. acting pretty well, terrified, runs back up to Obi-Wan. He busts the gate. He gets through. Go ahead.
1: Why exactly does he bust the gate, actually? I thought for a second he was busting the gate because he was going to take the car. But he doesn't. And the gate's one of those classic sci-fi gates of where it's just blocking one road and there's giant places along the sides that you can go. If he's just going on foot, he doesn't necessarily need to spend the time busting the gate. Particularly a... Um... But I guess he just chooses to do so because it's there.
0: I thought this was on the way to the port. So, like, I thought he he was he he was thinking like I, I have to go forward to get to the port because we're trying what? to get off world.
1: Yes, but the gate—it's not, it's not like there's a fence extending along the gate going into the hills necessarily. The gate is literally just blocking the road. Oh, no, I mean, left, it, I think you it's ease. Right?
0: I, I mean, it's you know, it's one. It's, it's just ease. He just—it's
1: okay. Ease like of go, use and quickness. To,
0: yeah i, th- I that's like kind of how i took it anyway um so but then we get an awful lot more stormtroopers show up obi-wan and leia get down no on the we ground. get three we get well, three well three and an imperial officer and we don't know who's driving this thing um and uh obi-wan and leia get down on the ground as they do um, the Red Vipers Paramore shoots all of the stormtroopers right in the back. Um, and Barba is back. Prompting a question from my wife, which is, why do some Imperial people get stormtrooper gear and some don't? The answer to that is how high you are up and if you're infantry or not. Are you commander? Are you infantry? Are you uh, uniformed police or are you street clothes detective slash commander slash lieutenant slash police commissioner, etc.?
1: Yeah, I I also think we. we, I complained about this in 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 season two of Mandalorian. I think they've gone a little bit too far with meme stormtrooper incompetence and ease of just dispatching. But that's just kind of where Star Wars media has gone with respect to them. They've kind of dug themselves into a hole in terms of stormtroopers being incompetent.
0: They even make fun of it. They even made fun of it. Mandalorian. They do. I I don't like it particularly, but it's become part of the canon now. Um, She tells them, "We don't have much time. Let's go." So obviously, they've got a friend here. So a mole inside of the Empire, uh, which actually yes. at this point in time is existing all throughout the galaxy. Why? Because the Empire is nothing more than the former Republic, right? Mm-hmm. All of the people who were in the Empire now, 10 years ago, if they were still employed, were in the former Republic. The former Republic, the entire apparatus, all the base, all the military, all the ships, all the Subsumed. everything switched over when Jar Jar Binks, your favorite character, put the resolution <laughs> before the Senate that they would give absolute control for a brief period to a Emperor dictator palpatine because they were dealing with such a imminent threat from the trade federation can,
1: Cop- can, can i hold out a headcanon hope that this character tala is just going to happen to meet mando at some point just so we could have a game oh, of thrones level reunion? Oh, wouldn't that be
0: Do- unbelievable
1: uh, if Petro pascal and and dear can rekindle their you know on-screen romance in star wars after how it ended in game of thrones i'd be there for
0: that i would love it so much cut back to riva and fifth brother riva says she's going to tell vader they found kenobi but fifth brother says i already told him i already told him riva <laughs> you want to take credit you go right ahead but we both know who will be standing by his side when this is over now Talk Not to a, you,
1: sorry. Yeah,
0: it won't be her because she'll be dead. But we've talked. I've talked to a few folks in the in the Star Wars universe uh, who are fans, big fans. Um, specifically, my brother made this point, who's a, it might be a bigger fan than either one of us. That mm-hmm. they felt like there was some like romantic like undertones to that from Rev standing by his side type thing. Maybe there is. Right. I I assume I am. Um, a believer in spencer's point that reva is just a vader fan, so there might be however if reva thinks that there's a, a chance for a romantic relationship um she's crazy both because of where he's at both because of where he's at in his sith training but also because he's a he's a fucking torso i mean like he's not even capable of a romantic relationship like physically i wouldn't think so
1: Man, if you want too much, TMI, I, I do not want to know the Darth Vader genital situation. That's just not something I want. They burn to up. He's,
0: his genitals are burned up. He he literally has like a catheter that goes into him to get what rid of part his urine. of.
1: I did not want to know. Did
0: I just not say? Well, I mean, I mean, it's not. It's not like. It's not like. I like know, the, I mean, I know. It, you know, it's just a catheter, right? Like a lot of people have catheters. Like it's it, he. It, you know he. Is a torso, like you mentioned. So, I mean, if she's really yes. thinking this, she, it just shows well, how crazy off base she really is, and like out of touch yeah. with reality.
1: I'd also say that, that that element of fanboy sycophant, it's not that much of a jump and a leap to go from that to kind of romanticizing the character, both metaphorically and literally, in terms of what your kind of association with them is. It is a common and a fan base thing to basically imagine, you know, do the fan fiction kind of scenario in terms of what you and the character you idolize would be doing together
0: cut back to this lady whose name we still don't have yet and obi-wan she explains she was on the way to the meeting spot she was on the way to the meeting spot obi yeah this is our contact uh he says well i hadn't expected anyone to come so Leia again right if they'd have just waited for a second you know things might have been a little bit easier um she explains the empire has gone into high alert and has locked everything down (laughs) not a surprise right but she can still get them out there's a pilot who has agreed to take them but he's not leaving for a few hours so this must be a pilot that is either in the empire or extremely close with the empire it could be somebody and my guess is it's somebody who is moving some of the the raw materials that they are mining in this planet and therefore and has a special be. permit to go in and out so that there's no supply chain disruptions when things like this mm-hmm. occur and that's probably how he's able he or she is able to get out of the planet uh, when the when the planet's on high alert and the empire sh- you know shut everything down, that's my guess. What do you think?
1: I think that's absolutely on point because that would make the abs- that would make the most sense. That's probably the only shuttle that actually leaves this planet on a regular basis is stuff bringing in food and stuff hauling out raw material. That's it. That's probably all only contact this world has with the outside universe, other than when Imperial troops show up to wreck shop every now and then.
0: Obi-Wan goes up to Leia who has broken out Lola trying to get a little comfort. It seems like she brings her droid out whenever she's upset trying to get some comfort. She says she mm-hmm. didn't mean to run away. She was just playing. She was just having fun. So this is the part of this is where she starts to blame herself for what's going on because she ran out into the forest on Alderaan to mess around, to just joke around. Like yeah. she's done a hundred other times, right? Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan tries to reassure and they walk off into a room with the lady Whose name we still don't have yet. uh, uh, Leia comes up to a very large droid. And she's obviously very interested. Why, Spencer? She loves droids. Skywalkers love droids. Um, The lady tells Leia he's on our side. Uh, His designation is Ned D. She says hello. She introduces LOLC59, Lola. She explains Mm -hmm. to Leia that the loader droid... isn't allowed to communicate. Leia, what if he has something to say? Actions speak louder than words. Eh, fine.
1: I like that exchange. That was kind of cute.
0: Obi-Wan asks her what this place is. She tries to explain that there are safe houses all throughout the galaxy. Stunning to me that Obi-Wan doesn't know this information. He truly has been a hermit. He doesn't even know that that, 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 there are still friends of the Republic, still friends of Jedi that are out there.
1: There's an underground railroad for the Jedi. Yeah. This is a big reveal. This is kind of actually new, that the idea there's an organized, you know, system with respect to this in the Star Wars universe. I didn't know that kind of thing existed. Makes sense. There might have been something along those lines. But this is kind of, you know, re- revealing it to both Obi-Wan and the audience that, yeah, the jet- the galaxy did not abandon the Jedi. There's even various degree of interconnected resources in place
0: to help them and get them somewhere. Some call Joe it... Beam, I think it is some yeah some call it the path i like the name uh mm-hmm. where they protect jedi and force sensitive children from vader she explains that it all leads to Jabim, which is what she just said where they give them new identities and get them out so there is an entire apparatus around this and i would imagine it's a lot of imperial moles um and and folks who realize that what vader has started to do which this this person explains to both obi-wan and leia later on is he is not just seeking out people who were either jedi associated with the jedi or padawans he's it's building new his order. people who are new either newly born or just coming of age who are now force sensitive he's killing them too well, so killing or recruiting in uh, different ways yeah i mean i think there's an implication that the, it's not good for it right because leia asks, what <laughs> happens never to these seen people, again and she says they're never seen again and then we have a Clone Wars reference from Obi Wan, who says Quinlan was here. Quinlan, a character from uh, Clone Wars. She says, "Yes, he helps down again. He, he he helps smuggle the younglings. So Quinlan has survived thus far, which is a cool thing to know." Will we see Quinlan in May- Obi Wan? Maybe he's got he's a cool looking creature. Uh, it'll be a cool cool thing if they're they're able to get a puppet to, and, and un- costume un- and everything. On un- we can hope. Obi Wan. Um, he reads something on the wall. This is only when our eyes are closed, or only when your eyes are closed, could you truly see the way? Mm-hmm. Some stormtroopers storm knock on the door. They hide. The loader droid opens the door. The stormtroopers just storm right in. Yeah, and, and just ah, I'll take a look around here. No Fourth Amendment, in this motherfucker. I'll just come right in. They've got a reasonable
1: suspicion, dude. They're in active pursuit They of smelled
0: suspicion. marijuana. Um, they act like jerks, but the droid doesn't respond. They eventually lose interest and move on. But of note is that the droid, during this entire exchange, has a weapon in its hand and seems to be watching the stormtroopers. If the stormtroopers made a move to the back door, I do think that that droid was about to, about to yeah. weigh along. Yeah. And
1: as we saw in Mandalorian, a hammer works quite well against plastine armor, if you, if you used appropriately. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, she looks at Obi-Wan and gets on yeah. her comm. She explains, we've been compromised, we got to go now. She's clearly talking to the pilot of the ship, who pushes back a little bit, but she doesn't want to hear it. She says, you are leaving now. And apparently says, okay. So, it um, looks like they got a way out of the planet if they could just get there. Mm-hmm. She takes off her Imperial uniform and puts on a robe. Leia asks if it's scary having to pretend all the time. What a good question is it scary having to pretend all the time and she says yes but it's worth it if she can help people uh this lady it, we've got it,
1: it after you know the expectation we'd be seeing the dark City underbelly in boba fett it's kind of fun that we have seen just a couple very much well-meaning altruistic characters so far in this series in the form of tala and our fake jedi in the last episode Best as we can tell, these guys just are legitimately good people that want to help the universe. Nice to see those every now and then.
0: The lady, the name we find out here in this scene, his name is Tala, explains she wears the blaster on the other side, draws faster. Leia's like, can you teach me how to shoot? Her eyes get really big, can you teach me how to shoot? Obi-Wan cuts her off. Go ahead. I love the
1: visual of cross-draw. It is technically slower than hip-draw, but, you know, whatever works best for
0: you. Mm, Yeah uh obi-wan cuts her off comes over asks her why she risks everything she says that she joined up with the empire when it stood for something so my impression of that and considering this lady's age is she probably joined up when it was the republic right um when the government apparatus the centralized governing uh entity of the universe stood for something helped people helped the outer rim territories and planets that were is fortunate now it's even pop it's the empire
1: it's e- It's even possible she joined, I even got some implication that she may have joined like in the early days of the Empire, just hoping that they'd be able to deal with the corruption and ineptness that the Republic was descending into in its later years. It's like, oh, this is something new. This is a new order. Perhaps it will be able to bring some, you know, sense to this madness. And then quickly getting like, oh shit, this is even worse. Crap.
0: Yeah, and we have to remember that Palpatine was an extremely popular governing figure in the old republic sure he was the most popular senator he was popular among the jedi everybody but yoda and mace windu liked the guy uh, chancellor yeah he was huge and so like the idea that he is now leading the government and leading reform and da 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 and all of the stuff you can imagine that slick tongued man said mm-hmm. probably was reason enough for a lot of people to join up thinking they were doing something good but then they eventually figure out what this is this is a dictatorship yes. this is uh um an abusive one. In a very abusive, centralized government. And so this is when Tala made the, the switch, right? To being an underground mm-hmm. operative for The Way. Good back and forth here. She does say, uh, I made some mistakes, Obi-Wan. We all did. Tala, I can't imagine Obi-Wan Kenobi doing anything wrong. Obi-Wan, it's, it's just been these days. So uh, very uncomfortable for him to, to be called Obi-Wan Kenobi, but also... It's clear that she's hearkening back to some of his old old accomplishments in that conversation, right? She knows some of his past, and he doesn't like that. Wanted to ask about that. Did he say who he was at some point? Uh, no. I, I, my assumption is that she knows through her role in the Empire, right? She knows who, like, she, I mean, she is not a stormtrooper, right? She is clearly higher up. An officer, Right so I would think that the name got circulated I thought I thought she she knew who she was searching for the whole time
1: That was I was going through three possibilities either he said it and I missed it it was included I don't think in the message it. that she got from the contact which right. I don't think that was done or she has those kind of just connections and knowledge from being in the Empire, and he's kind of on the most wanted list.
0: I mean, I mean, my guess is, I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't do this. My guess is they said, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is a fucking big deal. Like, he is number one on the, our most wanted list. Like, lock everything the fuck down. That, that flow of information probably hit the people who were high enough in the Order. I don't know what her rank is.
1: Even if it didn't make it down to the stormtroopers in the field, unfortunately, I guess.
0: No, or if it did, it's just completely over their head. They probably I don't know what <laughs> that is. Uh, she says her name is Tala. She ushers them toward a door that leads to a tunnel. Obi-Wan then feels something very strongly, woo, woo, mm-hmm. knocks him over. So this is arcing back to what I was, I was saying before, which is Obi-Wan's strength, like both physical, mental, and spiritual strength, or, or all three, physical, mental, and spiritual strength, all stem from his connection to the Force and feeling... This sense of like almost community that the Force provides, this connection to all things, Anakin, it just just it being Anakin, but also the strength that he has in the dark side at this point disconnects him from the Force in a in a way when he sets down, and it literally like affects him physically. You could have got a swing in on Obi Wan right there because that disconnection from the Force like blows him back physically.
1: Right. To, to to work the Christian reference that you did earlier. He has been severed from grace yeah. effectively by what has happened right here right now. That's
0: good. Um, I like that. Obi Wan goes up to the window, looks out. By the way, they should just be taking off right now. There should be no looking <laughs> at the window. Should not be watching. Should not I think I think this is Obi Wan cannot help himself because he's just learned that Anakin's alive, and he just can't miss an opportunity to see him to get to lay eyes on his brother to see what has become of him
1: this is also in this is a very effective betrayed scene just from just the almost just this is the monster arriving on scene this is Godzilla walking through the streets of New York in terms of just level of horror practically supernatural horror that we're getting as Vader arrives on scene it's like people who feel compelled or just can't stop filming the tornado as it's coming straight for their house it's just too awe-inspiringly terrible and terrifying to look away from
0: yeah I mean but like there is a deeper reason for Obi Wan, right? Like he, there would sure. you can see a reason why he would want to because he thought Anakin was dead. He watched him burn. He cut his legs off, so he's probably wondering like, what does this fucker even look like? Like, what is he? And there is probably a point 0.1% in his mind thinking, I don't know, maybe I can turn him back. Didn't 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 Padme say there's still good in him? Didn't did, didn't Padme, who was the closest person with him in the world, say this? Like, like there's got to be some part of him thinking I've got to at least look at this guy. I've got to at least go down he, this avenue. He, he has him as much of a mistake as it truly is, right? He re, we know he should just take the fuck off and get out of there.
1: He he also has no concept of what this guy looks like after ten no. years. He doesn't. He wouldn't recognize this guy on the side of the street. No. He's just straight up curious, probably too.
0: Yeah. Um, Curiosity killed the cat okay and he, this is where um, we get a scene in the in the show that I thought was I, I don't know how to properly place it in my order for Star Wars right now I'm still kind of frazzled with all of this it's still very new but it's it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a top five scene for me maybe in anything I've ever seen in Star Wars because it finally, shows me Darth Vader the way I want to see Darth Vader, which is a horror sure. movie villain. That's what I, he is. When Darth Vader turns the corner, you hear the breathing, you get the music, it's dark outside. I know a lot of people complaining that they can't see. These people who complain that they can't see, like, <laughs> I don't understand, like, I don't understand what, how, fell. how the fuck, are they watching just with projector only? I don't understand. But they show only his feet first. And mm-hmm. as he walks, even, and this is also great, this is an old wrestling move, right? Something they do in wrestling is they'll, they'll show you some characters who are really strong. And they'll make a point to show you how strong they are. And that's what they've done with fifth brother and third sister, Reva. And then they'll show those people cower to the new villain, right? And that mm-hmm. shows you just how strong this new villain is that's what they've done here because when reva and fifth brother step aside and put their head down and they cower to vader it again reinforces the strength of vader and as vader walked through he's just he's jason Voorhees. he's just fucking killing everything in his power in his sight yeah this this horror movie vader i thought was immaculately done i loved it you're you're i've I, no, I, I'm not going to rebut you on this point. I was
1: very much down for horror Vader. I thought this was well filmed. I thought it was well set up. I thought it was tense. and I thought it embodied the existential terror that people experience when you are at the, in the t- the crosshairs of Vader coming at you. I also kind of appreciated a certain elements of this is also, to a certain degree, Vader on tilt. We haven't really necessarily seen this kind of element of just casual-to-the-world cruelty from him before, but it's in some ways representing how utterly compelled angry he is that he's just slaughtering the universe around him as he's approaching Obi-Wan Kenobi. Vader will kill people in his way. He'll kill people that fail him. But we I don't think we've really seen him before just execute people as he's going by just because they're around and of annoyance to them just because they're present. That's a whole new level, I think, of just Vader cruelty. I think it accurately reflects that this guy is confronting what in his mind is the reason for every aspect of pain in his life.
0: So I've got a theory here. Um and I don't know if this is just me out on a on a ledge or if other people have the same thought. I think that Vader walking through pulling people out of their windows, snap at that snap neck thing that they oh, did. The kid, the son, yeah. That like Disney's telling you, I'm going to give them some leeway here. They like I'm going to let Star Wars get dark if they want to. Um yeah, I think there was a couple of things going on here. Yes, it is all within the horror movie motif to show you how just sure. like because part of his training, part of what the emperor has done with Vader is he said, embrace your hate. Let it flow through mm-hmm. you. You know, basically wallow in it. Like, don't don't let it don't let it, the, your hate be fleeting. And so to do that, he's got to um he's got to to, to draw to. um allow those impulses to come over him right so something like breaking a stranger's neck he he feels fully empowered to do so there's that aspect of it but i also think this is related to what i was talking about before with how he knows obi-wan fights and how obi-wan connects to the force which is he obi-wan has to be connected to the force in order to draw strength in order to even fight And by creating pain and suffering around Obi-Wan, he's disconnecting Obi-Wan from the Force. I think it's a tactical thing. I think it's a tactical thing that Anakin's doing here. He knows the more pain and imbalance I can create and and chaos I can create in this atmosphere, the harder it's going to be for Obi-Wan to tap into his defensive fighting style. And I'm going to be at an advantage. So I think that's what he's doing.
1: I think that's very possible. It also could be, in some ways, using the same strategy that Riva was offering earlier, is that he's murdering innocents to a certain degree. He's either going to make Obi Wan come out of hiding to stop him, or make him feel impotent that he can't save them. That's also an emotional element to an attack as well. Also, to make a reference to uh, what you were saying earlier about the idea of where we show powerful people cower before the new powerful person just to indicate how powerful they are. You never—I don't think you're as much of like a Star Trek fan as I am, but that's referred mm-hmm. to on TV trips as the wharf effect. Of where one of the most effective ways you can show that somebody new is strong is to take your strongest person and have them get beat up or cowed by that new guy, so a reference to a TV trip.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you know it as a TV trip. I know it as a wrestling angle, a way to get sure. get, get a guy over. Um, Obi Wan tells Tala, "Promise me, promise me, you'll get Leia out." Tala and Leia take off. Um, Obi Wan then decides to draw Vader away. And if so facto, trying to draw the Imperial forces away from Leia and Tala. And it works, except for Riva. Go ahead, Spencer.
1: One, I'm just a credit to acting here. Ewan McGregor is practically on the verge of tears in yeah. terms of just his element of just fear and emotional collapse. When he's saying, get her out of here, I'll buy you time. Well sold acting right there.
0: I think he thinks he's going to die here. I do. I think yeah. he thinks that. Um, he's completely he, yeah. he's completely off his game, which we've seen the last few episodes. He's completely disconnected from the force. He feels the pain of all those around him and the suffering that Vader has become, and he is, you know, emotionally wrecked at what Anakin is and what what he what he's mm-hmm. seen in front of him, and of course feels some level of guilt involved in all of that. So, oh, he tries to get. Uh, draw Vader away but he does that by running away from the town out into the desert now I've heard some people complain I can't see anything that's going on well it is the desert at night um so they didn't want to like put a big spotlight on it because if they'd have done that you would just said where's all the light coming from so you know I don't I don't know ultimately how to please people
1: um, no complaints there
0: very cool scene we see Obi-Wan in the distance and we see we see the lightsaber snap open with vader's hand and the red lightsaber first time in canon we've seen vader with the red lightsaber super fucking cool yep. um so vader says you cannot run obi-wan obi-wan does draw his we- lightsaber for the first time in the series
1: yeah we, I, 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 this is again I don't have, really have any complaints with this, the beats of this scene. It's just more kind of aspects of the filmmaking and setting up dramatic moments. I kind of hope that the moment of Obi-Wan activating his lightsaber would have been as similarly dramatic as Obi-Wan using the Force again back, back in the last episode. Instead, it just kind of feels necessary, but not necessarily set up that great.
0: Right. But but that's what it was, right? I mean, he didn't want to open his it's lightsaber. Necessary. And it's completely defensive. Um Obi-Wan does ask Vader, what have you become? Great line here, all-time line here from Vader back to Obi-Wan. I am what you made me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It, so good. We,
1: we really kind of get an element of cat and mouse here, of where this is really a fight that's in several parts, of where Obi-Wan's mostly just trying to get away, and Vader seems to be, I would say, toying with him to a large degree. He, he's savoring this.
0: Cut to Tala and Leia. Leia as Tala to help Obi-Wan. Um, Tala, he'll be fine. Leia, no, he won't. No, he won't. He needs help. Uh, shout out to Leia here. She probably saves Obi-Wan's life. Cut to Riva. She's sneaking out to the path and goes down the tunnel. So where Fifth Brother uh, is executing the orders of Darth Vader, which is to sweep the town, you know rough up the citizens a little bit, you know, see yeah. if there's a couple things, grease the skids. Is there any money around here? A little couple drugs, some yeah, spice, something, let's go. do our thing. You've Riva been watching
1: ig- way too much of the. new, you've been watching way too much of crime dramas in Baltimore. So.
0: Absolutely. I've been watching a lot of, we own the city. Um, Riva ignores all that and kind of follows her intuition and is able to discover uh, the path and the hidden tunnel. Uh, some might say a little too easily, but whatever They had a limited amount of time to work with.
1: You, they don't. They, they don't. This, this is a conscious decision to use this limited, limited amount of time to work with. She found it way too easily. It could, this could have been set up more dramatically. Even still, even with the kind of short shift they do on it, I did like the act, the acting that's done there of her realizing that this bolt hole exists and what it implies at how much that angers and pisses piss are off. This is realizing this kind of underground railroad has been under their noses.
0: So I do think that, like, I do think the filmmakers have some constraints as far as how much time they can, they can spend... With the actors, with the money, the budget, what Disney's allowed them, the number of episodes they have. like There are, con- are real-world constraints involved in some of the storytelling here. I also think that there's a level of, like, if they had showed her walking around for 20 minutes looking for the fucking tunnel, people would have been <laughs> I like, would have loved it. People would have been, been like, been what the fuck am I watching? So, I mean, like, you know, they have to balance some of this stuff. Um, and
1: I, and I, I I respect that. I'm a guy that loves slow quiet building scenes and i understand that is not what the majority of star wars fans are looking for i reserve the right to complain when i don't get when i don't get what i want though
0: nobody's gonna tell you can't complain come back to obi-wan he's running around in the dark trying to get away from vader um this is the the lightsaber drawn attacks obi-wan very quickly obi-wan does defend himself during this exchange a couple things going on here um One, there's a shaky cam. If you want to complain about anything that you want my buy-in with, I will buy into the idea that shaky cam is unnecessary in all situations. The fucking Bourne movies made me sick every time I tried to watch one. I don't like shaky cam. It is limited in its use here, but I I could have done without it. Now, um, a lot of people are continuing to say how sloppy and bad the fight scene looks. He is... He's 10 years removed from fighting with a lightsaber. He's completely disconnected from the Force. He's emotionally affected by seeing what Anakin has become. And he's outmatched. So all of this together is going to, you know, he looks like kind of a stooge a little bit. Now, um, I like in some of the blocking that Obi-Wan is using both hands and a couple times the lightsaber actually, if you you watch it slowly, actually rattles in his hand in that it almost comes out like it, 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 he's hit so hard that it almost slips out of his hand Vader uses one hand the entire time um yeah. toying with his prey again embrace the hate let it flow through you live live in that hate. toy with your prey <laughs> be be mean be menacing instill and still fear and and terror in your in your victim that is all the stuff that's going on here Vader very quickly discovers that he's uh, this is not the Mustafar battle and says, The years have made you weak, uh, and the years have subsequently made Vader strong. Seems like he's just been on Mustafar, fucking, <laughs> fucking punching that punching bag. He's got a big heavy yeah. bag, he's just poop, 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 poop. He's fucking Rocky in the meat locker. <laughs> I uh, just
1: rewatched Rocky the other day, so yes, very, very much that. He's got his Mickey in his corner and he's properly training.
0: Leia tells Tala to go help Obi Wan uh leia hugs her and then uh takes off to meet the pilot uh leia says bring him back cut to the lightsaber fight obi-wan again severe disadvantage during the exchange it's clear vader's just toying with him punctuated by a force push now this is what i was talking about earlier not just
1: push not just push when
0: vader force pushes obi-wan during that sequence that is the we that is the the writers tipping the cap to us to show just how much of a disadvantage this isn't Losing. He's overpowered. This isn't losing nine eight on the cards. This is Chaos. you have been knocked down four times in a round type of outmatched. I mean, if 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 he, if he can just straight up push him, like, sorry, like you are absolutely fucked. What? He has no chance at that point. Not just push him,
1: but so manhandle him completely that by the end of this fight, he is hovering him in midair. Level of incapacitated. Yeah, which he, he is does completely later. Completely overpowered.
0: Yeah, he uh, he he picks him up, holds him there, sticks his lightsaber into the ground, creates a fire right in front of him, pulls Obi Wan toward it, and starts to burn Obi Wan alive, um, um, replicating which, what happened to him on Mustafar the last time they fought.
1: Which I liked. I mean, I, I had some issues with respect to music blocking. I also just don't even particularly like the setting of this fight as being basically just a back alley in a desert. Which again, I think they just filmed outside of L.A. I got issues with all respect to that. I think there's a lot of aspects of this could either be set up more dramatically for a fight that I never really expected to exist in canon. Based on the line between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in Episode Four, I didn't think they'd seen each other, really, in 20 years. And so I was not kind of expecting this kind of straight-up brawl, and it, on the whole, disappointed me. But this aspect of inflicting the pain that he suffered on Obi-Wan, I think it was a well-done visual and a well-done kind of theme in that aspect of where And what Anakin is trying to get out of this fight in some ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh I liked that, you know, a lot of people say that Vader should have just killed him quickly. Um that is not the Sith that, way. No. If there is a weakness in the Sith, it is that they do toy with their prey. They it's do power. They, they they play to their base instinct. And you know that thing in some people that makes them want to pull the wings off the fly. That is what the Sith yes. absolutely generate and, and, and empower within themselves. So it doesn't surprise me that he's playing with his prey here a little bit and that he wants to terrorize Obi-Wan before killing him. I
1: completely agree. I mean, if the Jedi exist to essentially be in balance and harmony and support and to nourish, the Sith are about control and domination. And that informs their actions and informs their deeds. It's not enough to defeat Obi-Wan. This is an element of This man hurt me. He made me feel weak in a way that can't happen. That can't exist. That can't be tolerated in the mindset and being of what I am now. He must feel every ounce of that forever, and I must feel that aspect of control over him. It's the megalomaniac. It is the superhero kind of villain response to the situation. It's effectively the need to monologue, the need to feel that the person, need to make that person in front of you feel weak and submitted to you that he's trying to get right now. Of course he's not going to kill him he's gonna make his suffering an eternity and he says as much
0: it's the thing you know if you if you do like the sith it's the thing that makes you bang your head against the wall it's the thing that killed darth maul it's or at least got, at least at least got darth maul half his body cut off because he was toying with his prey in episode one it's the thing that got the emperor uh Ar- Emperor's original body got in episode six because he was mm-hmm. also toying with his prey with luke a little bit so you know, it's, the, it's, it's a weakness. It's a weakness for the Sith, and it's something that that our, our 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 lovely Lord Vader is indulging in here. Now he he shuts the the fire off with the Force, also showing how disconnected Obi Wan is from the Force so he can't even as much as take the turn the fire off, which would be simple, absolutely let's nothing for note, most people.
1: Let's make a note of the fact that he can do that for a moment later
0: uh okay um yeah oh no i I have a theory on what he's doing later um the storm please explain it sure (laughs) yeah then tala tala shoots um a a stormtrooper who tries to go get obi-wan and uh shoots a uh looks like some sort of like generator or something to create another fire right in front of them and the droid comes and gets obi-wan now vader stares at him I, I could see through your face you think this is, like, nonsensical or something. Some of the fans this think this is it, nonsensical. I don't think it is. I think it's the same exact thing that we were talking about before, which is could Vader have stopped the fire and gone after Obi-Wan there? 100% he could have. Yes. 100% he could have. This is a weakness on Darth yeah. Vader's part. He's toying with his prey. This is the boxer who knows they've got the guy beat. And lets him go back to his corner for another round. We've seen this over and over again in sports, in fighting, in stories. And this is what he's doing. Now, I I think, I think don't think this is a weakness in filmmaking. I think this is a weakness on Darth Vader. This is his weakness. He let him uh, go because he wants Obi-Wan to suffer longer. He, If he fights him again and he beats him, I guarantee he doesn't kill him then. He's going to drag uh, this shit out for as long as he can and make Obi-Wan hurt. Now that I, is I, I that is what they're showing you on the it. Okay, well that's what they're showing you on the screen. What when you say you don't buy it, what do you what what is your problem? Because he's here? not
1: because he's not in control of that moment. He's allowed someone to take that aspect away from him. If you wanted Obi-Wan to do that, he would have told him as much. He would have cast him off. He would have made him feel powerless to accomplish that. He wouldn't have allowed him to have this kind of third party intervene to bring that about. I don't buy that at all. I think this is just a fact that they decided to bring their epic fight into episode three rather than episode six. And so they need to find a scenario to get Obi-Wan away from this alive. I don't buy this as a decision on Vader's part. I think it's just inconsistency. I, 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 I accept the explanation you want to offer. I don't think it's sold well if that's what they want to do. And I don't think Vader would have accepted the idea of a third party providing that means of exit. That is not control. That is not submission. That is not making the person feel powerless if they're able to have a third party friend effectively save them and you allow them to go. I don't buy that.
0: Well, uh, I mean, fair. Uh, I think that um, what they want you to do is to be frustrated with Vader in the sense of, my God, your ego has gotten that out of control. That you're like, you're willing to let, I mean, it's, it's the same thing of letting Luke go in Cloud City. Could he have shut Cloud City down? Stop the Millennium Falcon? Gotten him out of there? Probably. Vader toys with his prey. He does it in books. He does it in comics. He did it to Luke. Now yeah, he's doing it to Obi Wan. He doesn't kill you when he's got the chance, and it's a weakness in him, and it is what ultimately gets him got. Um, so you know, I, I, I just think it's I think it's in line with Vader. It is stupid, but it's in line with what we've seen from him before.
1: And if they want to go that route, a simple way they probably could have assuaged a lot of my and various fandom concerns at this point is have Vader taunt him. Have Vader say something along those lines. He was taunting him throughout the fight. Taunt him here. Do something along those lines of just indicating that I'm allowing you to leave Obi-Wan. Not saying that literally, but making sure Obi-Wan knows that he is only surviving by effectively Vader's grace. I've taken away your grace and replaced it with my own. That would have been an effective way of conveying that to the audience to make clear that this isn't just an artifice of necessary, poorly executed storyboarding, rather than, this is Vader acting in this way. That could have, I think that would have been more effective if they'd given us, a, a, if that is what they want us to feel and explain, a more of a look or more of a feel behind the man, just through the same kind of thing we've been seeing for him from the entire fight.
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I thought it was pretty clear, but um, I guess I guess maybe not everybody did. Um, cut to the town, and uh, fifth brother is walking through. They lost him. He had help. Where to sweep the planet? Fifth brother. Now we'll never find him. Tala says, uh, "I mean, fifth brother is is very um, disconnected from what, like that's his weakness. I think. I think he he doesn't he's he doesn't seem to me to be a very critical thinker, and that's why Reva sort of out outboxes him." In a lot of different mm-hmm. situations, and it's why I don't think Fifth Brother will ever lead the Inquisitors because he doesn't—he doesn't, he, he doesn't seem—he doesn't seem smart to me. He just doesn't seem no. like an intelligent he, guy. He,
1: he is always—he is meant to be a comp, worker not bee, necessarily competent, but a loyal. Yeah, he is a worker bee. He is a loyal drone. He is Mook number. Th- he is Mook number five. That's his role. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's never. He's, if they promoted him beyond this, that would be the Peter principle in the worst possible way in terms of just promoting him plainly beyond his abilities.
0: Yeah. Uh, Talos has to ready the transport. Uh, they have to, uh, they have to get him to, to Jabin. Uh, the episode ends with Leia coming up on Riva. Are you the one I'm supposed to meet? Unfortunately they couldn't make it, but I'll take you from here. So we end with the, the sort of like, um, yeah, it's a it's a great TV ending where you have a cliffhanger it, where our, our a, damsel in distress is yet again caught by the the villain. However, it does seem that Obi Wan is at least um, for a moment has a has a chance to to get on solid ground again for a second.
1: Yes, yeah, so apparently the droid brings him somewhere else where he's able to link back up with Tala, and they're going to go somewhere else from here. Maybe to that Jedi planet that they've been bringing playable.
0: Who knows? Possible. Yeah. Uh, um, Disney has made no bones about the fact that that uh, Vader and Obi Wan will fight again. Uh, probably, sure they maybe multiple times in the next three Not- episodes, because in, in because a couple things. One is we've got to get to a point where Vader's lying to Obi Wan in Episode Four, where he says, "My powers have grown since the last time we fought." Makes sense again right it made sense if the last time they fought was mustafar it'll have to make sense again by obi-wan obi-wan's got to at least put in a better a better set round two to make that to make that line make sense and then the second part of this is that you know i think vader will have eyes on obi-wan now he'll be able to get to him again pretty easily uh this is this is the the fucking cat who just will not kill the mouse just bops it bops it bops it will not fucking kill it and I think he'll he'll get to him pretty easily again in episode four or five, is my guess.
1: Uh, that seems logical. I would note, though, that you did complain in the last episode or at least said it would be a bad idea if the two of them had confronted each other too many times because you felt like it would dilute away from the experience and wouldn't be able to work in the established canon. Are you are, Based on how much you enjoyed this scene, are you changing your mind on that or do you think they can make that work or do you think that they're, they're running a risk of Diluting the, diluting the power, diluting the drama of having too many confrontations between them.
0: They went the Rocky Four route. In Rocky IV, you know, obviously you're going to build toward Rocky fighting Drago. And Drago does have more raw power than Rocky. And so he is at an advantage pretty much in any battle they're going to have. But they decide to let him fight early on to show that... To to illustrate the power of Drago, to show how much Rocky has to grow to fight him again later on in the epi- in the movie. Um, what, was that Drago or was that Mr
1: T? I thought it was Mr T with with the one where he kicks kicks his ass. It was Apollo Creed he kicked the ass that Drago kicked the ass of early. And then, oh like, no 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 no. Uh,
0: so so you're right. I'm thinking of the second you're about Rocky three. No no no. I'm not. I'm thinking of the second Creed movie where he's oh, fighting yeah, okay, he's yeah. fighting Drago's son, and he uh, he does fight. The, the drago son early on in the in the movie and he gets he does, and, right. and the son punches creed when he's on the ground allowing creed to be disqualified allowing creed to keep the belt and they fight later on in the episode but i mean it, it, you see this in a lot of storytelling right you have the initial fight between you think sure. it's you think these you know these two characters are going to fight right and you think it's going to be at the end but they allow a a brief skirmish early on in the storytelling to show how outmatched they are to create yeah. some tension to build to a later fight i think that's what they're doing now if they have them fight four times in this fucking show yeah that that'll be a little much if i think they're probably doing it twice they're doing the whoa obi-wan's not ready for this he's he's back on his back foot he gets knocked down in the first round to i'm gonna be a little bit he's more found prepared a little bit more connected to the force and it'll be a little bit more of a fair fight toward the end of the series that's my guess what'd you think
1: I- i'm betting that's what they're gonna do i'd be surprised if it's an episode four or five it seems like I mean, this, the story's been doing weird drama beats for when things happen and when they would emphasize things, so it's possible they would do it earlier, but that, that seems like an episode six kind of moment. Who knows? But we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think episode six is going to be him on Dagobah, but, and then back in Tatooine, and then dealing with Luke, but we'll see. Um, okay, uh, that is our recap. I think we should get in the best line of the episode.
1: Uh, yeah, I think we've got some options when it comes to it for this episode.
0: Okay, I'll start with, he's coming, Master
1: first one on my list it's a great line and a great scene that builds up to that line loved it uh, I, I, I could repeat it if we want but uh, Obi-Wan's description to Leia of the force of where you mm. know, how does it work the force what does it feel like have you ever been afraid of the dark how does it feel when you turn the light it feels safe yes it feels like that wonderful description of the force perfect way of describing it to a 10 year old and as you said perfectly in keeping with Obi-Wan's connection to the force that he would describe in that manner loved it it was a great scene and very much emphasizing the, the kind of father-daughter moments that they've been doing with, between Obi-Wan and Leia.
0: Yep. Uh, I've got uh, Tala and Obi-Wan. It was too late. I made some mistakes. Obi-Wan, we all did. Tala, I can't imagine Obi-Wan Kenobi doing anything wrong. Obi-Wan, it's just been mm-hmm. these days.
1: Yeah, I we've gotten a lot of descriptions of just what a legendary figure obi-wan has become in the minds of people particularly now in the time since they've last seen him and in times of his absence and that is very that lines very much in keeping
0: and you can see how he might be of all the people suspected to still be alive the most popular jedi remaining because i do think that there is a sense that oda yoda and and some truth to this that yoda failed the universe by failing to see the threat right he was Hmm. he was in control of the jedi when this happened and he didn't see it and yoda will admit that he fucked that up like he he palpatine was way stronger than yoda ever thought he would be so i imagine that like among people who know the jedi that there is a sense of like well obi-wan is my guy he's the one that was fighting anakin that cut his legs off blah, 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 if they know all this Yoda's the one that failed us
1: mm. good call that's an interesting idea on that point Up. Speaking of the Jedi, my next line is Obi Wan's description of his memories of his family mm. is great. I love that little scene. I love the the acting that Ewan McGregor brings to that. That just kind of it's not it's not even necessarily regret. It's it's an element of nostalgia. It's an element of a lost world that he doesn't he doesn't regret that that, that was left behind, and he instead he got a new family with the Jedi. But he still acknowledges that it is an element of loss. And yeah, I thought I thought that was I was a well done little scene right there.
0: Um, yeah, you're you're further in in the episode than i am i mean i'm all the way to i am what you made me uh,
1: uh only, only other one i got other than that are the, the the read that we got um when everyone is reading the walls and the, we sees the philosophical quote only when the eyes are closed can you truly see leia see what the way mm-hmm. another, uh, another
0: world then at the end reva unfortunately they couldn't make it but i'll take it from here i like the little cliffhanger all right you ready for the best yeah. line of the episode
1: you you also assuming that Reva's going to catch her. We've seen before that Leia is very effective at running away from people, and we end this episode with her running away from Reva.
0: Yeah, I hope we get ten minutes of that to start the next episode. Just J- so you just to
1: fucking taunt me. That's you what can you're looking for. Come on, be and so him.
0: positive. Yeah, about about episode four. Uh, here we go. All right, because I am Emperor Pal Palpatine of the segment, Emperor of the episode, or Ep- Emperor best line of the episode. That is me best line of the episode. Episode three, Obi Wan Kenobi is. he's coming master
1: well done I like that one gotta be It's
0: he's coming master um, I just love how charged it is I love that he's still trying to compete oh, yeah. with Obi-Wan I know the threat that he feels and I love the parallel to <laughs> Vader because at the same time presumably Vader is thinking about him obsessing about him and he's suiting up let's suit up ready to go ready to go fight woo
1: I, and I have to believe that his connection to Qui-Gon is going to be mirrored with his connection to the Force. That establishing a connection with his old master is going to be part of Obi-Wan finding that aspect of himself again. And so I like how much they've been setting up and building with that each episode. It's been the most repeated motif over the course of the show. And I have to believe we're going to get some payoff with respect to it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's get some nostalgic moment of the episode. Woo, we got some options here, don't we? We do have a few. I mean, this is one of the most minor ones,
1: but I love droids in the Star Wars universe and probe droids such a, for serving such a prominent role in this episode. I love them. Probe droids is always such a well-designed, interesting droid, even from, from way back in Empire Strikes Back. And I love that they keep showing up, and I love how central they are in certain moments in this episode.
0: Probe and droid... very much the... Probe the droid, droid, droid of the episode? Probe droid? Probe droid
1: is the droid of the episode. Loderbot... I have no nostalgia about Loderbot. You, no. I haven't seen no. that one before.
0: But
1: probe droids... Man, do I have nostalgia about those. But Han and Shui hunting one through the, through, the, through the winter storm on, on Hoth.
0: With it. Love it. Love those connections. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to do Quinlan, uh, the Quinlan reference to the Clone Wars. That's pretty cool. Nostalgia one of the episode.
1: Good one. I like that. Uh, forced descriptions and you're targeting into the different understandings of the Force that is just straight up nostalgia and I love it I adored I, I adored those connections adored the descriptions I adore how much they, it mirrors what we've seen of how the Jedi have themselves each described their the connection with the Force and what it is uh, previously absolutely love that from a nostalgia standpoint
0: um, okay I've got my nostalgic moment of the episode do you have any other nominees oh,
1: I've got two um, Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon's relevance uh, to Obi-Wan and yes. that connection and everything else in there to that's
0: my honorable movie. mention it's gotta be Number
1: one, then, has got to be just the... From the first moment we ever saw him, the terror that people experience and the aura that he represents of Vader arriving on scene. How can that not be, for me, the nostalgic moment of the episode?
0: Very, very close to my nostalgic moment of the episode. My nostalgic moment of the episode is James Earl Jones' voice.
1: Ah, sure. Connects right into it, yeah. (laughs) Kudos... Again, credit to him that he's still able to summon that power. From that
0: 91. <sighs> if I can even talk at
1: 91, I'll be feeling good. That man's still and still bringing power.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah, he did a, great, a fantastic job. They did a fantastic job of, of bringing the voice. I mean, he just sounds exactly like it did in episode 456. Um and you know the suit how they really focus on the suit the breathing the horror movie element of of darth vader all of it connecting to vader and the whole apparatus around it i mean it just ah man jumps off the page to me so that is our nostalgic moment of the episode let's compare this to the prequels you want to
1: (laughs) yeah please i want to hear from you first though in particular
0: i think it's very much on on par with the quality of the prequels um it gave me one of my favorite Star Wars moments ever, which is Vader strolling through that town. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to overstate it and say like top three moment of Star Wars, but it kind of might be. Like, it, I mean, you're, the, you're allowed to
1: say it. You're allowed to feel excited in the moment. You can reanalyze later.
0: Yeah, but I'm trying to like be a little bit more analytical with this. But like, I, I really think that like this is what I always wanted Vader to be, and they're they're embracing the fact that he's a horror movie villain. He's Jason Voorhees of the universe. I love that. Um, we talked before uh, last episode about how he, you know, the Vader helmet might be, might be the most iconic image in all of Star Wars, and they are they're very deciding so. to lean into that. They're not they're not treating it uh, as as flippant. Uh, they're being very purposeful about when they show Vader, how they show him, uh, and I really respect that part of the storytelling and filmmaking.
1: I I'm going to say this is for me a little bit lower than the prequels, and though I'm going to say it for an odd reason that we haven't really talked about. As much as they had a problem with necessarily the storytelling or the acting the aspect of the prequels, one thing it did beautifully was use of music and sound design. Use of music in the prequels. Some of the songs in the prequels are almost as iconic as in any other Star Wars Dual game. Duel of the Fates Duel of awesome. the Fates. Good God. John Williams at his best. And they were perfectly worked into the scenes so that the audience is barely able to hold their breath as they're going through these moments in terms of setting up scenes, building tension, playing out the emotions the the fans are going through through use of music. John Williams does that beautifully, and it's perfectly represented in the prequels. This show does not do that great, and I thought the duel missed a lot of opportunities in that regard. The music is barely even circumspect. It's It's not very well integrated in the scenes. It doesn't add anything to it. It's practically just background noise. And I think that's something that Mandalorian has found it very well in certain scenes. Mixed bag overall, but definitely found it well in certain scenes. I don't think the show has found its center yet in the wonderful musical connection that Star Wars does so beautifully in its work. And I think that I'm going to mark this down from the prequels purely on that point. Other scenes from this, everything I aspect of Darth Vader, I, I will agree. The, the fight itself I found disappointing for a lot of reasons. The walk-in and the original appearance of Vader is great. The connection between um, Obi-Wan and Leia is so, I, want, I love how much it's grounded in his connection with Padme, how much that harkens back to the prequels. And that's great and executed well done. But I, really, in thinking about it, the music in the series has set me off just because it does not feel that very Star Warsy, from one thing. And I also don't think it's very well integrated in its scenes. And I think that is a, a markdown from the prequels, particularly in that respect.
0: Okay. Um, so, a little bit of a just... Star Wars background history here. I alluded to the fighting styles, right? The lightsaber fighting styles. Let's you talk a little bit more about that before we wrap up. Obi Wan practices the third form of lightsaber fighting styles. It's called Surisu, and this is a defensive style. And it it a lot. Qui Gon also um, used it, and it you really need to be connected deeply to the Force in order to practice it. It requires less like basically gym time and more meditation and thinking anakin uses form seven which for a long time was um not allowed by the jedi high council uh, eventually <laughs> they allowed him to use it it's so what's a lot which of sith agree, use yeah and it's the most ruthless angry aggressive form and it requires you to be in your feelings which is what he is really we're seeing him you know do and manufacture a lot during the episode, that Form 7. A little bit of trivia for everybody. The only person we know in the Star Wars universe to practice all seven. Do you know who it was?
1: No, I don't, actually.
0: Darth Maul. Very big deal that Obi-Wan was able to kill him as Obi-Wan was a Padawan. Um, Darth Maul was a fighting machine. He practiced all Mm -hmm. seven. As Uh, shown. Yep. So, uh, there's a little bit about the fighting styles and why... You know the snapping the neck the killing the villagers to the all of the ambiance around him the reveal of him in the suit all of that contributed to obi-wan not putting in a very good performance so that is it for our review here of episode three any concluding thoughts Spencer? well
1: just to reference one point you said i've seen a lot of people complaining that you know the fight between them was so lame just because Obi-Wan put up no fight and, you know, various fan films have done better fights than this. I'm actually... I don't criticize the fight in any aspect on that point. I'm perfectly with you. It makes absolute sense that Obi-Wan gets his ass kicked here and it not being a fight. It makes perfect sense that Lord Vader is just overcoming him by sheer brute force power and manipulation and, like, a cat toying with a mouse. I think that's the only way this could have played out, the way they've set themselves up. So... Just a note on that point. I think I feel like a lot of the fan is, if they were expecting a duel of the fates, Darth Maul, Qui Gon Jinn, Obi Wan kind of battle, even, uh, they were misunderstanding what the show is going for at this point, or what Obi Wan himself could bring to bear.
0: Right, but they might get it later. Yeah, you, you definitely, I, you're definitely going to see another fight, and I think you're definitely going to see a little bit better um, showing from Obi Wan there. And,
1: and I, don't, I don't, and as I've often said, I don't need. Phantom Menace flashiness. If you can give me well-set-up, executed drama, setting, character work, integrated into the plot and story of like your your fights we saw in New Hope and uh, particularly Empire Strikes Back, I will be great with that too. It doesn't have to be flashy. It just has to be well-integrated in the story and I will be with you.
0: Okay. All right. That is it for our review of Episode 3, Part 3 of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We will be back with you next week, probably a week from today, next Saturday, for our review of Episode 4. I think it's going to be a doozy. I'm excited to see episode four and the rest of this series. Thank you for reviewing it with me, Spencer. This is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, go to your favorite podcast platform. Hey, maybe even the one you're listening in now. And just type in Mangum Talks and G-U-M Talks and you'll get all of our content. Thanks. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate, review uh, us. uh, All of those reviews, Uh, we read them when we can. We appreciate them and we appreciate your support. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, see you.